Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Worthy is the Lamb who takes away our sin. I wanted to bring my comrade up here for a moment. Who knows, you might be preaching one day. You might be a diesel mechanic one day in this Carhartt. I don't know. We'll be ready for either. I want to encourage you today. You know, we observe St. Patrick's Day uh, this week and a powerful prayer about being girded up. It's known as St. Patrick's Breastplate, but it's being surrounded and covered with the person of Christ. And we're in a series that's all about Jesus. And that Jesus isn't just to be mentally attained, cerebrally enjoyed, wisdom uh, found, but he is a person to be experienced. He is a relationship that will forever change your life. He is someone drawing you deeper that you will but scratch the surface in these 80, 90 years we are blessed to live. These were his words. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to be encouraged this morning. He says this. He says, Christ, be with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. May Christ be beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down and Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise, and Christ in the heart of every man and woman who think of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, and Christ in the eyes of everyone that sees me. And lastly, Christ in every ear that hears me. We just lift your hands in your presence. There's a sweet fragrance that's here that You've been blessing us with, Holy Spirit. You've been moving in these services. We're not rushing in your presence. We're not getting anxious in your presence. We don't want to be distracted in your presence. Father, as I even hold the next generation, I pray that they know the presence of God at a young age, that they would know the sustaining, lasting, everlasting, enjoyable, powerful, all magnificent, omnipresent power of the presence of God. God, we ask with hands lifted that we yield to the Holy Spirit. Can you just whisper that? Say, I yield to you. I trust you. I obey you. I honor you. Father, we come in with a yielded spirit today. Anywhere where we want to rush into something, maybe we're faced with a circumstance, whatever the case We're yielded vessels to receive from our King, from our Savior, Jesus. Jesus, I ask of those here this morning who don't know you, those that are investigating you, those that maybe do know you and you need to light the flame again. God, do it in your presence. This is the medicine our souls need. 
in a world that says medicate on this, take this, do that. God, we medicate on the presence of God. This is the therapy of our soul. It's Jesus. God, the trauma of our past, the, the trauma of pain, whatever it may be, injustice done, unforgiveness, whatever it is, I speak the therapy of the great physician. Meet us here today. Jesus is our healer. Heal our body, soul, and mind, the whole person. In your powerful name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Kiss the baby. Let's preach. You can hand me my Bible, Mom. Well, you can be seated and thankful you're here. I want you just to continue to stay yielded and leaned in to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And as I just, I look out, I, I see so many different stories, so many different journeys. And I know all of us don't know what each and every one of us are going through, but as I pray and just believe for the presence of God to touch you where you're at and maybe knowing some different details of your story, um, just know my heart breaks for those that are seeking him, those that need him. And I pray you find him today. Um, I pray you experience your breakthrough and your miracle. I mean, I see Ashley and Tyler here, and you're beautiful. Or Alyssa and Tyler, I'm sorry. The Teepin family and their beautiful babies and the miracle that you guys have experienced. Welcome to church. You're a part of our ZCA family, but welcome to this side of the family today. And um, man, if you would only know what they've walked through these last few months uh, you would be amazed at the miracle working hand of God for their baby's life and believe in that this family has prayed for you you had so many people praying for you and I just attest to God's faithfulness for your baby and uh, thankful you're here and believe in you'll be blessed today um, Claudia I know you've Claudia Turner you've gone through um, a season of healing as well and your pregnancy and things that you were working through. I saw your husband Christian come in uh, at a chapel service, and um, not many times I see Christian cry, but there was tears flowing down his eyes as he was believing God for a miracle for you um, and seeing you back here healed, recovering, um, and still believing God for healing. Um, I just encourage you, as you were on my heart today, to lean in and allow him to bless you and to touch you and that you see a new dimension of Jesus is your healer. Um, I could go down the list. Joe Lattimore, you're a miracle that you're here this morning. God bless you, brother, um, and your story and your journey. But I believe that Jesus, his presence is here, and he wants to touch you today. And if you would trust him, and if you would lean in, he'll be right there. He says, seek me, and you'll find me. He's not playing hide-and-seek with you. Um, you're already in his house, so you're, you're pretty close. Um, but then it comes to that place of when you find him or when you're in your secret place, that then you begin to yield to him. You begin to live a surrendered life in any and every season. I know as, as I encounter, um, you know, the higher you go up the mountain in your life, the stronger the wind blows. 
And there's times where I feel like I'm on top of the mountain in different situations or moving something forward or having a, a growing family or a sickness. I walked out of here last Sunday and got hit with the stomach bug of death and uh, spent three, four days just crying out to God for healing. And you're reminded quickly, though, when you're strong one day, how weak you can be the next and how when we're touched with sickness or pain or disease, we realize our need for God. And I, I love that in a way because he can use our pain and our sickness to remind us of our dependency because it's only in dependency do we find the fullness of who he is. That we're called to be children like a baby dependent upon a mother. It is a picture of childlike faith of how we're be, to be dependent on our Savior. We're taking communion throughout this series all the way up um, to Easter Sunday. And I'm believing that the presence of the Lord would touch you as we behold his body and his blood and as we remember what he's done and what he is doing. You know, I've seen God in these last several months just begin to accelerate in the respect of going in the right direction. And my heart is, as your pastor, as we're on this journey, as we're seeing God provide a new building, as we're seeing him um, provide, if you've driven by our land down the street, this muddy million-dollar miracle taking place is even on a micro level. All those things are great, and we give God glory, but I see God working in your life, the testimonies I'm hearing, and that's what makes my heart putter. All of that will happen and take place, and it's fun, and it's exciting. But my heart is, is that as you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, that your Sunday faith becomes a Monday faith and a Tuesday faith and a Wednesday faith, that you just begin experiencing the goodness of God in your land and in your business and in all that God is doing in your life. And so this morning, um, I want to talk along the subject. We looked at walking with Jesus, but today it's Jesus as your healer. And I wanted to take a unique approach um, and look at healing found in the first covenant, the Old Testament. A lot of times it's very easy to talk about healing in the New Testament or the New Covenant. But if you didn't know this, we see God revealed as a healer in the first covenant, in the Old Testament. And the reason I want to do this is because God has always been healing from the dawn of creation. It didn't just start with uh, the book of Matthew when you flip the page from Malachi to Matthew, but we see that Jesus, his heart, his posture, his DNA is that to love and to heal and to care for his people. Show of hands today, who is thankful that your God is a healer and you are open to receive the healing ministry of the word of God. You see, when all throughout the scripture, when Paul talks of, opens the scripture in the book of Acts, in the Gospel of Luke, even when Luke refers to the Scriptures, they're not talking of the New Testament because they didn't have the New Testament. They're referring to the Scriptures of the Torah and of the Old Testament. So when they speak of the Scriptures, they're speaking of how God acted in Israel and in God's people. So they didn't have this revelation that we do. They experienced Jesus in the flesh, praise God, but they didn't have the Scriptures yet because they weren't given to us at that point. So there's a beautiful moment when you see the apostles, when you see um, all of those who 
are inspired and used in the New Testament is they're pulling from an experience of God in the first covenant in the Old Testament. You also look in the New Testament, one-third of Jesus' ministry was focused on healing. When we talk of healing, it's not just healing of your physical body, but it is healing of your soul. Salvation primarily isn't just putting you in legal right standing with God. We talked over this last week, though it does. But a courtroom cannot fix, cannot give you the therapy of soul that only a touch of God can do. So many times we put God in a box that he works and calls us uh, not guilty, but he goes beyond that to say you're not just not guilty, but now you are made righteous. Because when you get into, if you were to go into a courtroom and there was, um, the judge were to say this um, person is not guilty, you never hear now you're righteous, it's just you're not guilty, but God goes a step further and says you are now seen righteous. And everything is seen through the mercy seat. You are seen through the blood of Jesus. And more than just being seen through the blood of Jesus, we live this life now pursuing communion and union with God to become like him. He has given us a blueprint. He has given us his footprint. And we put our footprint in his to say, now this is the mold that I'm becoming in. And the more I put my foot in that mold, it's just like these new shoes I have on today. They hurt because they're not broken in. So the more I begin to walk in, and guess what? It's going to take my mold. Everyone's like, yeah, those are nice shoes. (laughs) But the more I begin to break it in, the more this shoe becomes a good feel because I I, I am willing to work through some awkwardness or being uncomfortable or slipping a little bit, whatever it is. And so know this in your relationship with God. Don't judge something you don't understand or throw off something that doesn't make sense because you will hit these crossroads in your walk with God. If you're taught in an environment or a theology, I like to say many of us, when it comes to things in the presence of God or in Scripture, we're theologically unaware. And until we're aware of that which we are then unaware, we can judge it and be critical of it and write it off. And so when... God gives you new revelation in his word. Absorb it, wrestle with it, walk in it, study it, and do everything in your ability because he's trying to teach you something. And I love, anybody love, I know I do, when the Holy Spirit begins to teach you something, begins to take you on a journey. And I believe there's a lot of you here today that he's doing that very thing. So I don't want you to devalue the Old Testament, because there is a beautiful picture of God. So I want to go through these quickly, but thoroughly. And I want to take a moment in communion and believe that if you need healing in your whole person, in your spirit, soul, or body, um, isn't that a great bookmark? That's Daniel and Ella. Um, Can't forget about them. Luke's up here. But I believe that God wants to touch you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we open your word that you speak to us, that you show us Jesus, how he's been present from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus is crying out, mercy, mercy, mercy. And God, we receive that mercy today. We can't earn it. Everything given to us by God is a gift. And we receive with open hands and open arms 
the gift of your love, the gift of your blood, and your, our salvation today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you see how simple this is, Genesis 20, verse 17, it says, so Abraham prayed to God. Abraham was a friend of God, remember? And it says, God healed Amalek, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. So right here, just very simply, it says that God healed. God cares, God heals. You need to know this, that God cares about every little detail of your life. Your spouse, your friends might not care about every little detail of your life. Honestly, we don't have the capacity to care about every detail of each other's life. But please know this, that God cares about every detail of your life. And I would encourage you that you don't go to a person to what only God can give you. Many of us, we suck the life out of those closest to us because we're not intended to go to that source. We're, continued, con, we're intending we should be going to the ultimate source to receive what we need from him. And then God will facilitate what we need if the source is being tapped into. So right here, simply, we see that he healed, that he acted. And I'm convinced that healing can be so simple and even in the respect that it can be hidden from many because of its simplicity. And I want you to hear this today about your God, about Jesus, is that Jesus doesn't heal you. Hear me in this. Jesus himself is healing. So many times we are seeking healing when he's saying, seek me, and as a byproduct, you will find healing. So the, the source of our affection has to be correct. And I would encourage you today that if you need healing, that you don't try to find the right formula or try to get the right recipe of the right amount of faith for God to move. I would say get into your prayer closet and seek him and let him do what he does best because Jesus himself is healing. Jesus actually never taught a sermon on healing. He just showed up and did what he did and people were healed because he is healing. I mean, this is... I marvel in this when you really get to the, um, this understanding, and you can even take it into faith of how do I get more faith. If you seek Jesus, he himself is faith, you will get a deeper revelation and a deeper understanding of faith because you're growing in friendship with Jesus. Exodus 2.23 says this. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. I'm going to make this easy. We're just going to keep flipping right. So if you got paper Bible, you won't sprain a finger today. So it says, the king of Egypt died, and it says, then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And look what it says, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you blessed that your God hears your cry? And he hears your groan. So the cry, the groaning, came up to the ears of God. And it says, so God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. God remembers covenants. You got to know this. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. You know, I love this because revealed in Jesus is God is not offended by our pain. He is not offended by our brokenness, but he actually identifies with it. 
Hebrews talks of this, that, uh, uh, and even it, it says in the Gospels that he became a man of sorrows acquainted with our sin, acquainted with our pain. He is not repulsed by it. He actually becomes acquainted with it because when Jesus gets acquainted with something, miracles start to happen. And so I would encourage you today and know this about Jesus is that he is quick and ready to get acquainted with your dysfunction and get acquainted with your pain, that he hears your groanings. And when he hears it, he is getting ready and he is willing and he is able to act on your behalf. Somebody say amen. Exodus 12, 12 through 13, and this is where we see of the Passover. It says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Ten plagues, know this, there was ten plagues, and they rival ten idols that were in Egypt. So every plague rivals a lowercase g god to dethrone it. It's pretty amazing when you study this. So he's executing judgment on every idol, on every God. He's saying, I am the Lord. And he says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. So he's saying, here's how you're to be protected. You know, this is, is the Passover. And when I see the blood, somebody say, see the blood. I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. And I will strike the land of Egypt. So what we see here is they're given instructions to put blood on the doorpost. And between the, the door and the lentils on the door, the way the blood would be smeared would be in the sign of a cross. This is prefigurement. This is a type of right here at the Passover of a greater Passover that would one day be instituted with a new covenant. So the cross is seen here of how they're to smear the blood of the lamb. And even to the point of where, uh, if you read down through Exodus 12 for time, we won't, but they were actually, it was supposed to be the best choice of lamb that they were to sacrifice here. Um, God's people were as they prepared and that they were actually um, to eat of the lamb and then to take the blood of the lamb and to smear it. So we get in a step further. We see a picture of communion that they're eating of the flesh of the lamb and they're smearing the blood of the lamb on the door. And it would be in the sign of a cross. See, this is what's amazing. When you put Jesus in the middle of the Old Testament, you begin to see it come alive in a way that you never knew was possible. And it begins to speak and to cry out for the blood of Jesus and for the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we see this Passover. We see the preparation that they're to eat of the, of the flesh and they're to smear the blood of the lamb is a picture of what Jesus will one day do for his humanity and do for his creation. You read at the end of Exodus 11, it actually says before you sacrifice this lamb, hear this right here, that you're to get gird up yourself and to get your shoes ready to strap on your sandals because this Passover meal is actually going to execute freedom for you. It's actually going to launch you into a new season and into a new place, that this is the meal, this is the, the, the smearing of the blood is about to take you from bondage into freedom. This is what God is setting them up to do a miracle 
of freedom in their life. It's a meal of deliverance that is taking away of how they'll be snatched away from their captivity. And we know this as we have stepped into a new covenant instituted by Jesus, that this meal that we remember and that we're going to remember today is a reminder and more than a reminder, but it has the ability and the power to take us from bondage into freedom. This is what your God does best, and this is who he is, and this is what he's waiting to do. So I don't know the addiction. I don't know the pain. I don't know what is blocking you from your breakthrough, but submit it underneath the blood of Jesus today and allow him to set you free and gird up your feet because when Jesus comes to your house and touches you, you better get ready to move because you are always moving forward. You're not falling backwards when the blood gets involved. So we see God acting and doing and healing again of the whole person, setting his people free. Exodus 15 says this. It says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, And do what is right in his sight. Give your ear to his commandments and keep all of his statues. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. Hear this about our God. For I am the Lord who what? Who heals you. This is important. I am the Lord who heals you. Where is Exodus 15 in the Exodus story? The song of Moses would be revealed here as you read on that God's people were just set free. They crossed through the Red Sea. They saw the miracle of the parting. They saw, would then begin to see the provision of manna, fire by day, cloud by night. And there comes to this point here as God, as Israel is now beginning, God's people, his nation, he introduced, God introduces himself to his people, his chosen people, as I am the Lord, the one who, what? Who heals you. So God, from the beginning, his prized people, which we're known, we are his prized people, his church, is he is ready to heal and to touch. And again, this is before we even get anywhere close to Jesus. But this is where we see, and we need to know this about our God, is he is one who's not quick to strike us with his white, hot, fiery wrath, as you've probably been told. You are not a sinner in the hands of an angry God. You are a You and I both are sinners in the hands of a loving God who is ready and available and longs to heal you and to touch you. We see this. We need to know this. And just as Bree was saying uh, in Waymaker, that God is not changing. Good theology needs to know this about your God, is that God God is immutable, which means he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we know this, and Jesus in other places in the New Testament will say, I am unchanging. Your God is unchanging, because if God changes, well, on a bad day is God going to change toward me. So you've got to know that God is immutable. He doesn't mutate. He doesn't change, or he's not a, a fair-weather fan for his people. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we see a new revelation of who God is in the person of Jesus when Jesus gets to the scene. So God gives them a song. They see God as healer. And what I love is it gets into this song of Moses, his 
It's even a prefigurement of being filled with the Spirit. Because we see even Paul talks about is a sign of being filled with the Spirit is you love songs, hymns, and spiritual songs is, is what the Scripture says. And, and I want to encourage you with this. If you're timid in singing, if you're timid in praying, you need to get over that, especially in your prayer life and in your quiet place because it is a, it is a way, it is an avenue, it is a funnel that you let the Holy Spirit lead you, speak through you, baptize you, wash you, regenerate you. You've got to give lend to your voice. That's why it says so many times there is a, a childlikeness, there is an, an undignified type of cry when you get with him and only him and you let God see the pain, you let him see the places in your life that you've keep tucked away. God wants to, to touch you in that. So they're worshiping him. There's knowing him, and he's introducing himself. First impressions are important, and what does he introduce himself as? Healer. Exodus 23, 25. It says this, So you shall serve the Lord your God. I love this. He will bless your bread and your water. And he will do what? He will take away sickness from the midst of you. You know, for those who say or theology that would reckon this, that says Jesus doesn't heal anymore. God's power doesn't move anymore. His gifts have passed away and ceased with the apostles. If that's the case, if Jesus doesn't heal anymore, then what else doesn't he do? And this is a scary place. This is where your theology leads. If he doesn't heal anymore, then what else doesn't he do? Will he one day decide not to save anymore? So you need to be convinced, and this is where I'm trying to get you today, is that God has always healed, he is always healing, and he will always heal. Again, bigger than just your body, but he is in the business of healing your soul, healing the whole person of what makes up who you are. So we see here that sickness he loves to touch. He loves to take away sickness of soul, sickness of heart, sickness of what's on your food, what you consume. Numbers 16, 46 through 47. And Moses said to Aaron, Jesus, a picture of Aaron here. He says, quick, take incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay the incense on it, carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. The Lord's anger is blazing against them. The plague has already begun. Look what Aaron does. Aaron did as Moses told him, ran out among the people. The plague had already begun to strike down the people, but Aaron burned the incense and purified the people. Hear this in verse 48. He stood between the dead and he stood between the living and the plague stopped. Who else stands between the dead and stands between the living to stop the plague of sin, to stop the curse in your life? It's Jesus who stands between the dead and the living who is burning incense of intercession and incense of prayer on your behalf, saying, I'm the one who cures the dead, and I'm the one who makes you alive. Abundant life flows from me. Tony, if you pursue Jesus, 
he will begin as a ripple effect and a domino effect. You will find that which you are insufficient in and that you need sufficiency in that only he can touch and can meet you. He is a picture of Aaron. Numbers 23, 19. Know this, that he's a covenant keeper, a promise keeper. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he, and he not do? And he will not do? Or has he spoken that he will not make it good? His word is true. His word is everlasting. When he speaks, it is fulfilled. When he speaks, it goes into motion. And as we read in Isaiah 55, if you're the one that is thirsting and seeking him, his word will not return void to you today. This is such a blessing and a promise we have. Deuteronomy 28, one through eight. If you fully obey the Lord your God, if you carefully follow all his commands, I give you today the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. All of these blessings will come to you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket, your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Amen. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. See, he's talking of a blessing in the land of Canaan. But Jesus will come and he'll do this. I love what the commentary says here. The word of God. It says, every blessing promised to the obedient here relates to life in the present world. For the law of Moses could not promise eternal life to anyone obeying it. The best it could offer was physical blessing in the land of Canaan. But it could not make one immortal or righteous or a child of God or an heir of the kingdom of God in the world to come. For these are spiritual blessings in Christ. As St. Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Aren't you thankful that, yes, he blesses your land, but even more so in Jesus Christ, he blesses you with a spiritual blessing of eternal life, with a blessing that touches your spirit, your soul, and your body, and it is only found in the richness of Jesus. I want to look at Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. That's you and I. So as the seed of Abraham... As this promise we see here, because we've partaken of flesh and blood, this is again why communion, this remembrance is powerful, 
because in Christ we've partaken of this, that this is how crafty our God is in Jesus Christ, is the one powerful weapon your enemy, our enemy, our spiritual enemy, Satan, had was death. And then a double bondage was the fear of death. So not only would you die, but then you would live your life in fear of the day you would die. So he's talking of two bondages here. And in these bondages, Jesus went on a mission of what C.S. Lewis said, a mission of sabotage. Jesus disguised himself on the cross where the enemy thought he had him, that Jesus would die. And when Jesus died, it was the end. But what we see here is Jesus destroys death by what? He destroys death by death. So the weapon that the enemy had of death, he then uh, goes on a mission of sabotages, sabotage and uses death to plunder into the enemy's domain of Hades or of hell. And what we see on Saturday in the Passion Story before Sunday comes, it's known as the harrowing of Hades. And he goes down and he takes, Jesus does, the keys of death by using death. I mean, I marvel in this, and this should excite you because this is how good your God is. He leaves no stone unturned. He takes the keys of death, and he deals with the very, not only bondage that death was, but now even the fear of death. That death, we should not fear death, and in not fearing death, we should fear him alone. Because if we don't fear death, what else is there really to fear? Now, see, God wants to heal us in this life and wants to touch us with his presence. But we need to know this, that even if we die or we have family that have died of cancer, of sickness, of disease, all of us have a day appointed to die, that we need to know death is not our end. And when we die, we, we close our eyes and we wake up in a, new, in a new age. We wake up in a new world. So where I'm getting at is allow the Spirit of God to touch you and to, hear the, to heal the fear of death that you have or the fear of death for a loved one that you have. The fear of death, will my kids die before me? All of these things that they can stay in our minds and keep us plagued and keep us bound. Jesus is trying to speak through his blood and through his flesh that as we even take communion today, the bondage in your mind can be healed and you don't have to fear death anymore. And when you don't fear death, you are unstoppable for his kingdom because nothing can stop you. You're sold out and ready to go. This is a divine curveball of how Jesus destroyed death, I like to call it. So I want to take a moment and I love because as God's word is preached, as God's word is proclaimed, I believe there's healing that can even begin to happen as you're hearing God's word go through both of your earlobes. That as God's word is, is proclaimed, as God's word is heard, as God's word is feasted on, as it's preached in its truth, healing is already taking place because the healer is here. I want you to come. I want you to do this song. And I want you just to take a deep breath. If you would close your eyes for a moment. And I've asked you that throughout this series that you would just remove distractions. 
even if you, can, if you have pain in a part of your body, if your back is sore, if you're even having a hard time swallowing, if there's, you know, a surgery you're recovering from, if you could try not to listen to that pain for a moment and just focus on him, there's a powerful transfer that can happen from his heart, from his spirit, into your body, into your spirit, into your mind. I've been telling you, Jesus is here and he wants to touch you. But I know the way the enemy keeps us bound is he keeps us distracted. He keeps us unbelieving, keeps us fearful, doubtful. And right now in the name of Jesus, you are the God who has healed for seven millennia. You're the God who heals your people even before Christ. From the foundations of the world. We thank you that Jesus gave himself. A deeper way to understand that in John 3, 16. That he offered himself. That creation was free. Creation didn't cost you when you created this world. But when you gave Jesus, when you offered Jesus, you showed us what love looks like. It's self-sacrificing. You gave the thing that was closest to your heart, your son, Jesus, the pure and spotless lamb who takes away our sin, who heals our disease today. God, you care about every hair on our head every thought in our mind, that which is weighty and important to us, we just submit it to you right now in Jesus' name. We focus on your face. We focus on your beauty. Draw us into a deeper communion. Remind us that we are blood-bought and we have a union with you that no devil in hell can penetrate. You have destroyed death by death. You've destroyed the fear of death, the fear of loss, the fear of what will be next, the fear of tomorrow. God, we put all that behind us. Just whisper to him, say, I put that relationship behind me. I put this pain behind me and I just focus on you and you alone. And as you're focusing on him, I want you just to have an attentive spirit can speak to you right now. He can touch you right now. You might feel a heat in in your body. You might hear a whisper, a scripture might come to mind. Just want to allow you and allow Jesus to minister to you. Let this song bless you as we focus on him.
to sing this softly. Again, let's open our mouth and just declare this. That the Lord is beautiful. We're seeking his face. Seth, if you would just bring the lights down. I want the focus just to be between you and Jesus as we prepare for communion. Nadia, if you would put our crucified Christ up. I want you just to take a gaze at Jesus here focus on him the price he paid for you the love that's been poured out for you I want you just to hold your communion in your hand for a moment I want you to think about this for a second the most powerful substance known to man the blood of Jesus you hold in your hand most powerful 
substance known to man, the blood of Jesus, you hold right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us enough. You give us this holy communion, this beautiful sacrament, this mystery to remind us that you're the God who heals. Scripture says in Matthew 9, I love this, that Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. This is the kingdom we're a part of, that Jesus heals every sickness. He heals every disease that's present. Jesus, we thank you that you've healed the disease of our sin. Right now, we ask for forgiveness of our sin. And as you apply the blood of Jesus over our sin, as we put it over the doorpost, which represents our life, God, we thank you for the mercy seat for the smearing of blood over our lives. God, that we are a blood-bought people. God, and as the blood is applied to us, we now release forgiveness right now. Father, anyone that we are harboring bitterness against, anyone that we are not forgiving, a moment in our life that continually inflicts pain, maybe we blame God Father, we ask, as your Jesus teaches us, you've got to forgive perpetually, 70 times 7. Forgiveness is medicine to release healing into our bodies. Proverbs says that anger will actually decay our bones. Bitterness and anger have no place in your temple. God, let our temple be sacred right now. We release the anger. We release the bitterness. Forgive them, as Jesus said, even if they didn't know what they were doing, even if they did know what they were doing. We're taught by Jesus to forgive, that this is the remedy for healing. This is the medicine we must take. I even believe as we forgive right now, he can begin touching you and flowing through you. We forgive Jesus. We place that situation in your loving hands, our righteous judge, our one who can handle full of grace and full of truth. We forget right now. We thank you as we hold these elements, as we look to the crown of thorns that was placed upon your skull, that pressed into the front of your brow, that you chose a crown of thorns so that we can put on a crown of your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. And as that crown was pounded into your head, you then chose to not even be clothed. And as you were stripped naked, 
we then can put on the clothes of your righteousness, the clothes of your goodness. We can be clothed in mercy and in grace. We love you, Jesus. You are a good, loving Savior. Thank you, Jesus. As you were scourged, as you were whipped, as you gave your back, God, you promise us strength. You promise us sustenance. You promise us life. Strengthen our bodies. Because you were beaten. You were tortured. You were marred. So that we can experience and know the blessing of a God who heals his people. Who strengthens his people. Who loves his people. That you were met with the worst that men could offer to give us the best that God could offer. Lord, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful this morning. Pray as we wait on you that you just begin touching us. I want you to hold his body up. Scripture says that if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Father, we lift you up, and as we lift you up, I want you just to break the body because it says that he was broken for us. As we've been saying through this week, it's his, the body of Jesus was broken. He was broken so that he could heal our broken hearts. He could heal our broken minds, our messed up families. He could heal the mess that we've caused, the mess that we've made, that there is unlimited mercy and grace available if you will come to him, all you, are, all you who are heavy laden and in need of rest, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Worthy is the lamb this morning. I thank you, Lord, that as we even hold bread, what is the most universally available meal? It's wheat, it's bread, that you made yourself readily and universally available to us. That we don't have to lack for anything when Jesus is present. So Father, we thank you for the broken body. We lift you up and that as you lift, as we lift you up, that we would be drawn unto you. Our families would be drawn unto you. Prodigals would be drawn unto you. That people would see a life that lifts up Jesus. Let's take of his body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bree, can you sing that again?
healing in your mind or body or if you're contending or interceding for a loved one that needs healing in your mind or in your body I want you just to stand this morning right where you're at I want you to stand in faith I want you just to continue to focus on Jesus don't focus on me don't focus on the person next to you focus on him because he's your healer he loves you. I want you to think of his nail-pierced hands. His Roman nails were drove through the palms of his hands as they were stretched out for you. It's a sign that his arms are still stretched out today, extending everything that you have need of. And those hands that are still nail-pierced hands in his resurrected body are a sign that he wants to touch every infirmity, that he is not disgusted, he is not far from them, he is acquainted with them. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray those hands begin to touch the places of infirmity, the places of pain, the places that need your healing touch, that no doctor can fix, that there's delay, maybe there's a bad report. We ask that the hands of Jesus anoint those parts. We also ask that he touch the places that we've disguised within our, the recesses of our heart that we've burrowed down deep, the trauma, the pain, the unforgiveness. We ask that the hands of Jesus touch. We think of your nail-pierced feet. And if, we, if he be lifted up, as Jesus was lifted up on the cross, that we would be drawn unto him, that as he stood fast for us, as he forgave those who didn't know what they were doing, as he said he thirsted, God, let us thirst for the presence of Jesus. We're hungry, we're thirsty for you today. We love you, Lord. There's a gospel story in Luke 13, 10. It says this, it says, Now he was teaching again on the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And she was bent over, and could in no way raise herself up. Maybe today there's a part of you that's bent over that there's no way you can raise yourself up. You are dependent on him. You are dependent on a doctor. You're dependent on a good diagnosis. Look what Jesus does. It said Jesus saw her. She was not even looking for him, but the goodness of God was looking to her. 
telling you today, even if you're not standing, Jesus still sees you. Even if there's something that you're not willing to surrender, he sees you today. Look what Jesus does. He called to her and he said, woman, be loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. Oh, Jesus, you long to straighten us up for us to become the fullness of what you desire us to be. I thank you that the hands of the healer are here right now. And we raise the blood of Jesus. If you're sitting, raise that blood today. We lift him up. And we thank you that this is the most powerful substance, the blood of Jesus, that flows downhill into the deepest valleys of our life that flows into the infirmities, that the blood speaks a better word. God, that we put the blood on the doorpost of our lives. We eat of the the holy communion, the mystical meal, where there is a uniting and a union with you, that you long to heal us, to remind us. We do this in remembrance of you today. Your body was broken for us and your blood was shed for us for the rest of our lives, for the entirety of our lives. We thank you that you give us this element. And in the authority I have as pastor of this church with the blood lifted, I plead the blood of Jesus over this body, over every infirmity, over every sickness, over every disease, over every place of pain. I plead the blood of Jesus. Would you just whisper that? I plead the blood of Jesus. We, it says you sent the word and it healed them. God, as the blood of Jesus is pleaded, we thank you today that you are here. You are the healer. As we focus on your beauty, as we focus on your grace, you want to heal us today. So with the blood lifted, as Paul says in Ephesians 4.13, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We want the fullness of who he is. We take of his blood of this covenant in Jesus' name. If everyone would stand, let's sing this softly one more time. Presence of God just to begin to permeate over your body to flow through you to animate you that there would be activity of the Holy Spirit in your body right now in Jesus name if you need to lift your hands as a sign of yielding to him Jesus we look to you today thank you Jesus
Jesus, and you both are in the front today. Father, I thank you in Jesus. You're beautiful. Your face is all I see. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the one who takes away our sin, our infirmities, our disease, our sickness today. We thank you, Jesus, as we've leaned into you, as we've sat with you, as we've allowed our healer to be present, as we've allowed the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, to flow in and through us, making us like you. God, as we step from this place, as we go back into routines and schedules, let us have unceasing prayer, as Paul talked about. Let us continue to pray, to be thankful, to stay in faith for what your word says. You love your people. You love your body. We are the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.